Welcome to Sports History 101. Welcome into this episode of Sports History 101. I am your host, as always, Ray Delgado, and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. So today we're talking about college football, and naturally, the end of the year is the holiday season, various holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all kinds of good stuff happening, New Year's, but for college football fans specifically, it's also the most important time of the year, and that's because it's bowl season. Bowl season is essentially Christmas for every college football fan. I feel like most of them would forego their presents at whatever age, however many presents they get, for a great bowl game and probably a national championship. So bowls have been in college football and really in football from almost the beginning. In professional football, it's the biggest bowl of all of football that we don't really think about it as a bowl game, but the Super Bowl. That tradition has gone back essentially to the early 1900s, early 20th century, if you will, and started with big games like the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. The Rose Bowl was the first one, and it was always contested on New Year's Day, and the other three I just mentioned also followed up soon after, and they were also contested on New Year's Day. New Year's was a really great time to have a full slate of college football games because everybody's off work, and probably no one's really doing anything on New Year's Day. All the festivities happen on New Year's Eve. Everyone's up late, having a good time. Whether you're out, whether you're in, doesn't really matter. The next day, New Year's Day, is usually a relaxing lounge around the house day. So what better day to have a whole bunch of college football, especially college football that actually matters. As the years went on from those first four bowls, there more and more games just kept getting added and added to where now we have 30 plus bowls. And while in my mind, it does water down the product just a little bit, it also gives opportunities to smaller conferences that otherwise wouldn't have those chances. You get teams like the MAC teams, the Mid-American Conference, you know, teams of that caliber and in those conferences that would never get national exposure. They'd play their season. They'd play their conference championship games now, and that's it. Whereas now they get to play in a bowl game. They get to travel They get that real division one experience that they all dream of really. For college football, as always, the postseason is and was bowl games. You play in bowl games, and then the national champion was decided by the Associated Press and the coaches' polls. So there, therein lies our first issue, is the national champion was determined by two separate polls, and that meant that there were chances for two separate champions. And that happened a few times. Aside from the fact that they that these polls are just voters that 
you know, they have your own opinions, whether you're a West Coast person, East Coast person, Midwest person, you have your pulls and ties toward different things. So that always plays into it. But the biggest issue with the college football system was the fact that the two best teams almost never played each other. They number one, number two, number three, whatever, the top five and every every other school would play in regional bowl games largely unless you were the Pac-8 as it was known then the Pacific 8 which came the Pacific 10 and then now the Pacific 12 conference the Pac-8 and the Big 10 conference champions or the best team in those conferences would always play in the Rose Bowl they had an agreement to do that which meant that those two teams if they weren't one and two in the nation or if only one of them was really highly ranked, was always playing a subpar team that wasn't the other best team in the country. That's just a microcosm of everything else that was going on. All the teams were tied largely to local bowl games because that's how you make money. You find the local fans. You don't want to put your team in a game that's really far away because then your fan base can't travel. So... The really big issue, aside from the fact that the two biggest teams never played each other, was the multiple national champions as I mentioned earlier. That did happen a handful of times where the AP and the coaches poll decided on a different national champion. And that was largely because the two best teams didn't play each other, so there was never a one-to-one comparison. It was still a lot left up to just personal opinion. That obviously led to quite a bit of controversy because... In football, as in basically every other sport, people want one champion. They thought that the best teams should play each other. Two best teams should shoot it out, duke it out in the final game of the season to determine who actually was the best. But, as I mentioned, the teams were tied to the local bowls and agreements that stopped that ability Almost always, it did happen a handful of times, almost always for the top two teams to play. So that it was that way from the early 1900s all the way through until 1992 when the Bowl Coalition was formed. So this was really the first attempt to change college football and get something more of a national championship game like a real national championship game that that had never happened before they wanted to include all the big conferences and that was basically it those were the only schools that got a chance to actually play in the national championship and really in any of the important bowl games not just the national championship but they couldn't even get that done they couldn't even get all the big conferences because like i said earlier the Big Ten and the Pac-10 were tied to the Rose Bowl. So no matter what, those champions played in the Rose Bowl. Didn't matter what their ranking was. The Big Ten champion could have been one. The Pac-10 champion could have been 23. Didn't matter. They'd play each other. So that posed its own problem. And then also the fact that the Bowl Coalition only included the big conferences, it closed off any chance for the other conferences like the WAC or the MAC. Those were not supposed to rhyme. They closed off any chance for those conferences to actually 
play in, in, in any meaningful postseason game, which, I mean, isn't fair, but well, it's, it's not fair. We'll just leave it at that. It's not fair because at the very least, they should get a chance. Just like Cincinnati has been playing great for the last couple of years, they got a chance in the what is now the CFP, college football playoff. That would have never happened in the Bowl Coalition. They, they just wouldn't have been able to. So that system wasn't very good and didn't really solve the problem at all because not everybody was included that should have been, and it only lasted for a couple of years. Then in 1995, it changed to the Bowl Alliance. It seemed like it only really changed in name because nothing else seemingly changed at all. Still had no Big Ten or Pac-10 champion and still only had the exact same teams that was in that were in the bowl coalition. So it seemed like they just put lipstick on the pig and try to present it as something else. Again, did not work. For the 1998 season, however, there was something new in the works. And that revolutionary system was revolutionary college football was the bowl championship series as the title of this episode is aptly named. The Bowl Championship Series was said to be the brainchild of then Southeastern Conference, so SEC Commissioner Roy Kramer. Kramer was the spearhead of the operation that really changed the landscape of college football and how things are going to operate from that point forward. The BCS finally included the Rose Bowl, and that meant also the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I don't know if it was Pac-12 yet at that point, but included those both, both of those champions. And the way that they got the Rose Bowl to sign off on that was the BCS had a national championship game, and the four big bowls, so Rose, Sugar, Fiesta, and Orange Bowls, they would each be in a rotation to host the national championship game. So in order for the Big Ten and Pac-10, 12 teams to be released to play in the big the BCS, the Rose Bowl said, we want into that rotation. So they were. So it was those four major bowls that were in a rotation to host the national championship game. That ended up only being for, well, I guess it was a little while. It's about nine years or so. Before in 2007, the BCS championship game was made actually a separate game itself that was played the week after New Year's. But regardless, it married all of the large conferences together and gave them automatic qualifiers. So the ACC, which is the Atlantic Coast Conference, Big 12, the Big East, slash the American Conference, as it's known now, the Big 10, and then the Pac-10 slash 12, and then the SEC. Sorry, that was a lot of acronyms. Those of you who know college football know them well, but those of you who don't, I apologize for that. So those five, well, actually those one, two, three, four, six conferences, excuse me, would get automatic qualifiers. So they're the best team in each of those conferences would be automatically into the BCS. Outside of those six automatic qualifiers, the other teams were actually selected by the individual bowl committees. So each individual bowl in the postseason of college football has a committee. And for those 
that aren't automatically chosen by automatic qualifiers or postseason rules or anything like that. They get to choose who they're going to pick to play in the game. They generally pick someone who's regional so that the fans can travel and that they can sell out their game and make it successful, whatever. But some of the, just a couple of the stipulations to be included or be able to actually be picked by the bowl committees, which you had to be a top 14 team. You also had to have nine wins. So you'd think it would make sense that each team would be vying for outside of the top eight, which would play in the, well, top six technically, but then seven and eight would likely play in the the large games, the four big bowl games. You'd think that for the other bowls, the lesser, quote-unquote, lesser bowls, they would vie for the top-ranked team always. Well, that's not necessarily true. They would play these regional teams, local teams that were not quite as good as some of the other teams in the rankings, but would move the needle at home. And that was that's always just one of the things with the BCS, or not the BCS, but just the bowl, I guess, just system in general in college football is it's not always fair. The best teams don't always play in the right situations, so the best of the rest don't always get to play the highest quality opponent and whatever because politics always comes into it and money comes into it. But regardless, I'm not getting on that soapbox. So BCS, automatic qualifiers. Right, so after that, we're actually going to take a quick break, and then I will tell you more about it. All right, so back to the BCS. So the Bowl Championship Series, again, for those of you who don't remember what the acronym means, was made up of three prongs. The first prong was the AP poll, so the Associated Press poll. Second one was the coaches poll. The third was six different computer rankings. So those rankings were made up of, actually, you know what? I'll go ahead in just a second. So they used those three prongs to determine the rankings of the top 25 through a formula. And that's what was so revolutionary about the BCS. From 1998 to 2003, there is just so much happening in terms of this formula. There's a poll average, a computer average, a strength of schedule. Losses are counted for in some form or fashion. Really confusing. If you'd like to look it up, you can. It's the old version of, I guess, old BCS isn't around anymore. So it's the first version of the BCS formula. And it was very interesting and made didn't make a whole bunch of sense. So they changed it. So in 2004, it started to make a, get a, a little bit more clarity, I guess you could say. So 2004, they changed it. So the AP voters rank teams 1 through 25. And points were then given 25 down to 1. So reverse order of the rankings. So first place got 25 points, second place got 24 points, third got 23, all the way down. So the total score was added up and then divided by the total number of the voters. So you get essentially an average of what you got. So then the coaches poll was done the exact same way. Voters ranked teams 1 through 25, points were given in reverse order, 
total them all up, divide them by the number of voters. Where it gets fun is with the computer rankings. So the computer rankings were determined, so there were six of them, and they were determined by newspapers, individual people, computers actually, some of them, and a couple other ways. But the points still were given the exact same. So they ranked the top 25 as well, and the points were given in reverse order from 25 down to one. So those six rankings were put into a computer, and then the highest score, or the highest ranking, I should say, the lowest ranking were dropped. So if a team was ranked 1 and 12, which that would never happen, and all the other four rankings were somewhere in the middle, they dropped the 1 and they dropped the 12. And then what they'd do is they'd add those four together and then divide those by 100. So again, a little bit complicated, but much easier than the old system. And it actually is something that you can follow in terms of a train of thought or just understanding. So once they got those three prongs together, they had all the points that they needed. What they would do is they'd add up the AP plus the coaches poll plus the computer rankings and then divide those by three. So that would determine your BCS ranking. So for example, if you had a 0.9478 from the AP poll, a point nine four three two from the coaches poll, and a point nine six zero from the computer rankings. Add all those up, divide by three, and then your BCS ranking would be point nine five zero three. So, obviously, that's a very specific number. It goes all the way down to ten to ten thousandth place, and that's naturally because at the top of college football, you get parity. And parity is very difficult to rank and determine because, well, it's in the name, parity. They're the same. They're largely no different than any other. So what you have is a very, very specific number that you can actually differentiate between each team's down to the 10,000th place. Definitely different than anything that anyone had ever seen before. And the system actually included the Big Ten and the Pac-10. And also, teams from mid-major, mid-major conferences could potentially be a part of the bowl season based on the score. But that still worked against them, and none of them ever actually made it, even though technically it was possible it still never happened, which still sucks. Like that's not something you ever really want to see. You always want to feel like you have a chance and they never, ever actually did. That was clearly the biggest problem that the BCS was biased toward big teams, toward major conference teams. And that posed a lot of problems. People got pretty mad at that because like I said before, you want to always have a chance. One of the other issues that the BCS was supposed to rectify was the fact that there would be a consensus national champion. Well, the polls and the BCS conflicted sometimes. The top teams were not the same. For example, in 2003, the AP poll named USC the number one team in the country, whereas the BCS put both LSU and Oklahoma above them and they played in the championship game. So that de facto meant that USC was number three. So that's 
a pretty stark difference in terms of what the rankings were. As part of it as well, undefeated teams weren't truly given a chance. There were a lot of undefeated teams that were in major conferences that didn't necessarily win the conference or weren't the best technically in the conference that didn't get a chance. One of those was Boise State, who was not in a major conference, but still went undefeated, were a good team, and were never even given the time of day. Adding another problem to the list, the money allocation. So when you go to a bowl game, you get money. The money situation was a lot different for automatic qualifiers and non-automatic qualifiers. So de facto, the best in the top five conferences would be an automatic qualifier. They got a whole bunch of money, whereas the non-automatic qualifiers got a, a significantly less amount of money. Enough to where you could very clearly tell that's not fair. Even though college football is about money, college sports are about money, at the highest levels of football, you're still seeing a very stark disparity between what should be pretty, pretty equal overall. So in response to those problems, well, as a response to those problems, the Mountain West Conference, which was one of the other five conferences. So you have the Power Five, much like it is now, and then you have the Group of Five, which is the next five conferences. The mid, the, excuse me, the Mountain West Conference was one of those other five conferences. And they submitted a proposal to the BCS committee, and the BCS committee was made up of the conference commissioners from the conferences in the BCS. So naturally, the biggest five conferences. And they submitted a proposal to them in 2009. And the Mountain West Conference proposed an 18 playoff that would provide better access to the four BCS bowl games for the five conferences that didn't have automatic bids. Essentially, let leveling the playing field and giving those other teams from other conferences who play really, really well and might even be better than the second or third best team in some of the power five conferences, a chance. It would also replace the BCS rankings, the whole computer system ranking stuff with a selection committee. And then there was also a motion to change how you would do, how you would qualify to be an automatic qualifier in for the BCS or for whatever this new system would be called. Very shortly after, the BCS outright rejected the proposal. However, the idea that of a playoff did not just go away when that proposal was rejected. That stuck around for a while. And the BCS, as college football fans know now, is no longer around. And the last BCS games were actually played in 2014. In 2012, just two years after that Mountain West Conference proposal, the BCS committee agreed to a four-team playoff. And they would call it the College Football Playoff. Not very imaginative, not very... Uh, flashy, but it gets the job done. You know exactly what it is. College football playoff. Early on, a bunch of people, including myself, 
didn't actually know what it was called because everyone just started calling it the college football playoff. And that felt like that wasn't a name. It was just a descriptor, but that's the name. So essentially the BCS died in 2014 and Florida state beat Auburn in that last BCS title game, 34 to 31. And the BCS was no more. The bowl championship series was college football's first attempt at creating an unbiased system that would actually put number one and number two up against each other on a regular basis in the national championship game to actually create a consensus national champion. That obviously didn't work. There were issues with things. Voters and polls still named different champions in the BCS, despite there being agreements that they would not do exactly that that the polls would automatically vote the BCS champion as a national champion. That didn't happen. But nevertheless, it was a system that was needed, and it was a first step. And it led to the college football playoff, which now is the system that is far from perfect itself. It uh, is even in the works to be expanded right now. We'll see what happens with that. BCS also led to some really great championship games, some that will be remembered for a very long time by quite a few fans of quite a few different teams, and that's something that you can never take from them, and they'll always remember. There will also be fans that will always hate the BCS because their teams were snubbed and were not given the time of day like they thought they would. So the BCS is gone and done. And people have mixed feelings about it, but time must go on. And now people have mixed feelings about the college football playoff just as well. So who's to say? We're never going to have a perfect system, but college football will always be around. And people will always love it regardless. So that's all we've got for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I know it was the first one in quite a while. So thanks for listening. And until next time, stay safe and remember that Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm.